This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. There's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to another episode of 6-Minute Monday where I give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. Tip number one, something we, we are experimenting with. Not I, but we. We... Me and three other progressive thinking guys in advanced training. Now, we all have chips, Bluetooth chips from Simply Fast, where we are going to check how fast we are sprinting, not after our sprint session, but during our sprint session. So what was happening in the past was I had my chip on, and I would do it, and I would be able to see how fast I was running. I'd be able to experiment with different starts to see how fast I would run. It lets you know your top end speed. But now... That these guys have their chips, they don't have to wait for me to hand them my chip. They have their own chip, and now they can look after each sprint to see how fast they're actually running. So that is what we are experimenting with now. We're going to start. We have a couple more guys that have interest in it. We're going to start bringing it to our Saturday sessions and add sprinting into that as well. I am super, super excited about it, especially letting these guys experiment on their own with how am I getting from point A to point B the fastest? Is it a fly? Is it a split and rip? I don't know. We're going to figure it out. Each guy's got their own little thing. The other thing, so let's get to, to tip number two. Tip number two, it's, a, it's an exercise tip, and this is something we are also experimenting with. It is to let your production dictate your workout. I'll say that one again. To let your production dictate your workout, not the prescribed workout dictate your production. So what does that mean? Well, in these sprint sessions... We can call them feed the cat sessions like Tony Hollis says or or whatever you want to call it. But in these sprint sessions, tired is the enemy. So we're not going in there to get worse. We're going in there to literally feed the cats and get better and sprint as fast as we possibly can, as fresh as we possibly can, as often as we possibly can. So what we were doing in the sprint session, our rule of thumb was, is that if you sprinted, let's just say I sprinted and I hit uh, 18 miles an hour, and I'm overly overly simplifying this. I hit 18 miles an hour. And maybe my next sprint, I hit 18.2 miles an hour. And my next sprint, I hit 18.3 miles an hour. Once I hit two sprints in a row that are less than the one before that, then I stop. So I hit 18.3, and my next sprint is 18.1, and the next sprint after that is 18.0. That's it. Shut it down. You're done. So you're letting your performance dictate the workout. Because who says that for you on that day that you're supposed to run, I don't know, Six flying tens. I don't know, right? When I write a workout, it's kind of a it's a guideline, but it's never absolutely perfect. Well, what what this sensor is doing, if the sensor is right, there's a big there's no measurement system that's perfect. But what it's doing is it's actually telling you your body hit its peak and now it's just getting a little slower. Again, we're not going for endurance here, we're going for speed. Speed is our goal. Enemy 
Uh, sorry, tired is the enemy, so it's not me trying to get in good condition here. It's me trying to get fast here. So what we did this weekend, or sorry, this week was we gave each guy their chip, and as they were sprinting, we said, look, if you hit two times in a row that are slower than the previous time before that, you're shutting it down. So a guy like Carpentieri, he came out of the gate. This guy's a true cat. He came out of the gate with one of his top-end speeds, like first sprint. So he shut it down early. guy like me, an old beat-up man, I, I was just getting faster and faster every sprint. It just At a point, I had to shut it down because I would have been there forever, but it took me a while to warm up. My worst sprint was my first sprint, and then every one after that was like, just another, here's another tenth, here's another uh, hundredth of a second off, here's another hundredth of a second off. Like me, it takes me a long time to warm up, but Carpentieri, boom, he's in, he's out. He could probably work out in like 15 minutes, and he's done. So that's what we're letting these guys experiment with. Also, we're letting them try and figure out what's your, what's your best way to hit that top end speed. I said it before, I'll say it again. Is it a flying 10? Is it a split and rip? I don't know. Let them figure it out. Again, the goal right now, or the goal in those sessions, is speed. The goal is speed. Pretty sick. I love that our group is so open-minded and progressive and, and really willing to experiment and learn. That is an awesome thing. That is the spirit of continuous improvement. Okay, tip number three. A thought that I am thinking about, uh, sorry, a quote that I am thinking about, and especially me being the efficiency guy, I just I keep thinking about this because now I feel like I've been busy. I feel like I've been doing work. Maybe it's not the right work, but here's the quote I've been thinking about. It's, it's amazing how many things busy people are doing that will never be missed. I'll say that one again. It's amazing how many things busy people are doing that will never be missed. So if you are an employee and you're super busy, you should really sit back and reflect and say, if I didn't do this, would anybody even care? Like, am I sending out a report that nobody's reading? Am I writing an awesome email that nobody's reading? Am I doing this work for nothing? Really think that through. And if you have the ability to, stop doing that and do something else that people will care about. Now, if you're not an employee and you're an employer, think about what you are paying your people to do. Think about it. Are you paying them to do something that would never be missed if they stopped doing it? And that's the truth of the matter. Stop doing stuff that would never be missed. You want to... If, if you stop doing something... What you would want is somebody to rip you over the table and say, stop, I mean, st keep doing it, keep doing it. We need you to do it. Where is that report? Where is that file? Where is that presentation? We need it, we need it, we need it. Uh, to be honest, there were times where I was like, I'm not making this podcast anymore. I'm not doing it. I'm coaching two football teams, I'm training people. I don't have time for it. And I thought it was over with. And people would come back, coach, where's, where's the next podcast? Coach, where's the next podcast? So that, that gave me the thought of, okay, I'm going to keep doing this because if, even if just one person loves it, that's good enough for me. So again, it's amazing how many things busy people are doing that will never be missed. So if you do, maybe it's an experiment for you. Maybe stop doing it. See if anybody cares. If they don't care, never do it again. Okay, tip number four. Tip number four, a productivity tip. On that same note, even though it relates back to that quote. So today was a nice rainy disgusting, wet day at advanced training. I hate training in the rain. I hate it. I hate it. Why? Because I spent so many days of my life as a football coach and as a football player standing in the rain. I've spent enough of it there. I don't want to train in the rain if I don't have to. Anyway, we trained in the rain today. I thought it was going to turn into snow. It didn't. But my productivity tip, and this is a good one for anybody out there, you got to think this stuff through before it goes on. I used one set of gloves for the actual training, because I trained with the guys. And then, when that was done, I broke out a nice, fresh, dry, warm pair of gloves to actually 
time the events in the session because I gotta have a, I have to have a fast trigger finger or a slow trigger finger as Yusuke says, but I didn't want to have that wet glove sticking on the timer. Plus, I wanted to be able to be able to feel my hands after the whole session. So that that's a good little trick there is to have two sets of gloves, one for the training, one for the timing, and even. I was really proud of the guys today. Everybody came ready. Like, no one showed up in, like, a, a T-shirt unprepared for the weather that they were going to f- match. A lot of guys had rain jackets on. You know, everybody was ready to go. Proud of them. Anyway, all right. Now we're going to get to tip number five. Tip number five. The thing that I'm reading that's moved me. So I just got out of the MIT Sports Analytics Conference. It sounds either as awesome or as awful as you would think it is. If you are not a nerd like me, then you think it's awful. But to me, it was absolutely awesome. Anyway, on one of the, f- the panels, they had people talking about the impact that Moneyball had. And it was on, I'd say, almost all of sports. Not just baseball, baseball but all of sports. And on the panel was Michael Lewis, who wrote the book. And then I don't, I won't talk about anybody else on the panel. But they also had, well, they had Bill James, the guy who was the, I guess, the godfather of data analytics for sports. And then you had Shane Battier. Shane Battier from Duke. Now, in this conference, there's actually a Bill James room. Makes sense. He's the godfather of data analytics. He's the guy who inspired Billy Bean from the athletics to actually use this money ball theory. Then you have a Shane Battier room. I'm like, well, I never really realized, like, why does Shane Battier have his own room? And when you look at the panel, this is Shane Battier from Duke. This is Shane Battier who played in the NBA. It it said like he he was a data analytics lead for the Miami Heat. And I'm still thinking, why is Shane Battier, why does he have his own room? Well, in this conversation on the panel, Michael Lewis talks about that he wanted to write a second book to Moneyball. Following the careers of these guys who were undervalued by other teams and had a successful career. And it got derailed. And he said, I wish I could have done it. And then Shane Battier said, well, you did it about me. I'm like, what are they talking about? So I go back and do a little research on old Google. And there is a sick article from Michael Lewis. It's called the No Stats All-Star. And it's about Shane Battier. And I read a little bit about Shane Battier in this book. Uh, what the heck is the name of it? Sprawl Ball, right? Sprawl Ball was talking about a Shane Battier was like a Lego. That maybe on paper, his numbers weren't awesome. But wherever he went, he won more. So I read this article, and it's brilliantly written, and, it's, and it made me love Shane Battier. So what it really is talking about, he's a no-stats all-star. So even though he was the best player in high school, he won a big award wherever he lived, grew up. Then I believe he won the best player in college award. Then he gets to the NBA, and they essentially tell him, look, you have no talent. You're no good. Uh, I don't know why they would say this about Shane Battier. And he's even on stage as he's talking. And he was on several panels that I listened to. And one thing I liked about him was that as you had some of these analytics people talking, and he would always bring it back to real life. Like, no, don't tell me this as a player. I don't want this in my head as a player. This is what you should tell me as a player. So he always brought it back to the athlete, which I truly believe it's about. Right? I'm, I'm an analytics guy myself, but if that athlete can't execute it, or if it's going to make them worse, then don't tell them. Right? You only got to tell them the things that they can practice and execute and perfect. Anyway, he was awesome on the panels, but even on the panels, he kept referring to himself as having no talent. I'm like, this guy, Shane Battier, how can, he, how can he say he has no talent? I have no talent. Like, I'm five foot eight. who knows, I'm like a seven-second 40. I have no pa- talent. I've seen this guy play basketball. He's good. Like, he has a lot of talent. So anyway, he was saying this, but then he said to Michael Lewis, you wrote this article about me. I read the article, and it's sick. So Dan Morey, Dan Morey, to keep it simple, I think he's the general manager of the 76ers. He was the general manager 
of the Houston Rockets. Dan Morey is one of the founders of this MIT Data Analytics Conference. And why is he so important? Because he's essentially the guy that spearheaded three-point shooting, like took it to a new level. He's essentially the guy that figured out this is where it's at. He's also essentially the guy that brought data analytics to the forefront on something outside of baseball. So he's up there, and he's in the article, and they're essentially talking, but not essentially talking, the article's talking about how Maury saw in Shane Battier something that no one else saw. He basically moneyballed Shane Battier. So while people thought he had no talent, what Maury saw was that whatever team he was on won a lot more games when he was there. And when he wasn't there, they lost a lot more games. And when Shane Battier played defense on somebody, they scored a lot less points than when he didn't play defense on somebody. So they bring Shane, he gets Shane Battier to his team. They tell him, we value you more than anybody else. And then they tell him why. And Shane Battier, as a player, now he starts to absorb the data analytics. And they did something brilliant that I didn't know happened to basketball, probably because I'm naive. But I, my dad was a basketball coach, and he had always taught me little things like this. And it was like, you know, certain guys only like to drive with their right hand. Certain guys only like to shoot over the left shoulder. Well, they were giving that information to Shane Battier about guys like Kobe Bryant. And maybe, maybe Kobe Bryant still scored 40, but maybe it took him like twice as many shots to score 40 points. So this is the, the beauty of Dan Morey, brilliance. And it's also the beauty of Shane Battier because he wanted this information. And Shane Battier is also talking about he gave LeBron James information when he was that analytics guy for the Heat. And he used it on when he with Kevin Durant, saying, look, uh, Kevin Durant doesn't like to shoot over his left shoulder as much. And it just luckily happened that Bryant covered him twice, he shot over his left shoulder twice, missed both shots, and now Bryant wanted more. And it's a matter of how you feed this to the athletes. Anyway, I read the article, love the article, sick, and I, I really do think it's great. And this is stuff that I've looked at as a football coach. Which way does a quarterback like to throw the football, left or right? to his own sideline, away from his own sideline. Little things like that. Does he like to escape the pocket to the right? Little things like that. Running backs, do they cut more to the right? Wide receivers, do they cut more to the left? So these are things that I've always been looking at as a coach. I think it's awesome that the NBA is doing it. It's just a matter of how much are people being influenced by it. So this article, again, it's called, I think it's called the No Talent All-Star. If you're a nerd like me, get your hands on it. Now, back to leading me to point number six, tip number six, the weirdest thing I saw hitting the gym the next morning. The conference is over. I'm hitting the Sheridan Hotel in Boston. It's a small, you know, picture your typical hotel weight room, dumbbells up to 50 pounds. Not much in there. I always come strapped. I bring my jump rope. I bring my band, so I'm set. And who walks into the gym? Shane Battier! Uh, that's right. Shane Battier is working out right next to me in the gym. After I've seen him. I read the article that night. I read it that night because I went home and I was like, "This is <laughs> they're talking about it. I'm going to go read it. They're talking about Moneyball for a basketball player. I'm going to read it. Well, Shane Battier is working out to, next to me in the gym. Now, I am the last person on earth to ever be starstruck. Uh, but And I'm definitely, I'm not going to say, hey, can I take a picture? And, and I am not going to interrupt the guy's workout. So... I do my workout, I let him his, do, do his workout, but I'm like, I gotta say something to this guy. I actually text, text Yusuke and Marichko, like, about the article before I went to the gym. Then I text him, guess who's working out next to me in the gym? It's him. So I let Shane Battier finish his workout. I, uh, I deliberately do, like, I don't know, 15 extra mobility drills at the end, because, I, again, I don't want to interrupt the guy's workout. You don't do that to somebody, especially somebody like him who's, he's a celebrity. I don't care what you say. Guy played for Duke, guy played in the NBA. He's a celebrity. 
And he's on the panel in this MIT uh, analytics conference. Anyway, I just go up to him. I say, listen, man, you killed it yesterday. Because I, I truly believe that. I'm not just feeding him a line. He did kill it. And I truly appreciate his perspective. And what a nice, humble, down-to-earth guy. Thank you so much. I'm glad you appreciated it. Like, he was kind of taken aback, I think, that I even said that to him. But again, I wasn't going to X for a picture. What am I going to do with that picture? I'm not that type of person. But I just gave 10 seconds. You were awesome. You killed it. Thank you so much for what you said and walked away. So what kind of craziness is that? That the article I read, Shane Battier, uh, shows up in the gym. And uh, yeah, he got to see some of the stuff that we do at advanced training. Per per example. I don't know why I like when people say per example instead of for example. Per example, our static bear crawl holds and our single leg uh, bear crawl holds. All right, that was it. All right, now let's get into, I forgot to mention, we're going to get into what happened at this week's Tag Team Challenge. So that ended our tips, six tips and tricks. We're going to get into what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. So as I mentioned to mentioned before, it was a horrible, gross, disgusting, I don't know how much more redundant I can be day. And again, I hate training in the rain. Not only do I just hate being out in the cold and the wet and the rain, but for tough man days, it just it adds insult to injury because I have to load my truck in the rain. Then, after it's over, I have to go back into my house when it's over and dry all my stuff off so it doesn't rust. So Joe Morechko actually saw me. He came to my house afterwards to bring some chili over, and there I am drying off all the toys. So I just, again, I hate training in the rain. Yesterday, I reached out to the captains like, guys, what do you want to do with this? Because it, it's not going to be nice. And Baraji, being the diplomat that he is, kind of like, Defer, like, ah, what's your app saying? Defer, defers the technology. And Joe Barechko, being the not-diplomat that he is, was like, we're going. It's going to be soft if we don't go. Let's go. So uh, I thought he was going to have the advanced training curse because he was, like, adamant about going and not show up. But he did show up. He was there, and he had an awesome workout. Anyway, so we're going to go. I'm checking my weather all night. I'm checking the rain volume. I've become an expert on what is the difference between, between drizzle and hard rain. And I'm like validating it with what's going on outside. I wake up in the middle of the night. What's going to happen? Because it just keeps changing and changing and changing. Anyway, I wake up. It's raining harder than it was supposed to be. I'm like, I really don't want to do this. But we go. And now I also don't like it because I'm trying to tailor A, the workout, B, the tag team challenge, and C, the individual challenge to what's going on on the field. On a rainy day, it is not ethical of me to bring a seated sled pull where the chain is going to be so slippery you can't grab it, or a farmer's walk, right? So it just kind of knocks those things out of the gate. If it's kind of snowy, then you can actually do sliders and wear gloves, and it's not that bad. But if it's raining, it's not that – it's awful because now your gloves just become soaking wet. In snow, they don't become soaking wet. In rain, they do. So I'm trying to feel things out because it was supposed to go from rain into snow, and it didn't. It just kind of stayed as rain the entire time, which was gross. So I'm thinking it through. How many guys we get there? I, br- I only bring the prowler. I bring some sliders just in case. We load some weight on the prowler. And again, I'm, I brought weird weights I didn't, because I don't know how the ground's going to be. Sometimes if it rains a lot, it becomes scorched earth. Like it's so wet, you can't push the prowler. Sometimes if it rains just enough, it's a nice slick surface. So we bring a bunch of different types of weights. We feel it out. And then... uh. This is the workout I come up with on the fly. Now, granted, it wasn't too much on the fly. I wrote up four different scenarios yesterday and then based it on what was going to happen today. So I have four different scenarios based on what's going to happen today. And this is what I told the guys, and this is what I'll tell you. When I was a, a young, moronic teenager, I lived in Woodrow. At the time, and if you live in Staten Island right now, you know what Woodrow looks like. And uh, there, there's this 
road called Bloomingdale Road. It's this long road. It's like a light every five seconds. It's just a, a giant waste of everyone's time. Anyway, when I was about 15 years old, that's 30 years ago, there wasn't anything. There was no lights. It was one road. You can drive down at 150 miles an hour. In fact, many old people did, and I saw many old car accidents outside my parents' house from like drunk drivers <laughs> driving into the woods. Anyway, we lived basically in the woods. When I was in high school, my friends acted like I lived in the woods. There were, all the townhouses that are there now were not there. There was nothing there. So even to get to St. Joseph-by-the-Sea High School, I had to take a yellow bus. Everybody else is on a New York City bus. I took a yellow bus, and I just took a lot of heat for it. So... It was impossible for us to go hang out with our friends. A lot of my friends lived on the North Shore. They're taking a train. They're going to Bay Street. I lived nowhere. And what am I going to tell my parents? Like, keep driving me to Bay Street. Can you drive me an hour to the North Shore and then pick me up an hour later? I'm 15 years old going to a club I shouldn't go to. Like, that's the other thing. Like, these guys are sneaking out. Their parents don't know where they're going. I would actually need a ride there, right? And I don't have enough money to pay for, like, a... I don't know, a cab to get there and back. So anyway, what me and my friends would do, this goes back to the stupidity, we would walk around our neighborhood, and this is really dumb, by the way. We would walk around our neighborhood, through the woods, uh, with headphones on. Yes, we each have our own headphones on. Listening to cassette tapes. That's how old we are. And maybe as we got a little older, like a CD came out, <laughs> and you could lis- listen to tapes. So we'd walk around the neighborhood and not talk to each other. We'd walk for hours and just listen to music. It was insanely stupid. i I don't know if I'm embarrassed of it or proud of it, whatever. There's a lot of worse things we could have been doing. We did two things. We did that, and we played football in the street. This is pretty much every day. So, like, every day of my life, I did that. We walked around the block. We played football in the street. Sometimes we did both in the same night. Anyway, when we got tired from walking around, we would find a place where we could sit down, not disturb our neighbors, and listen to music and not talk to each other. And we called it the This This Sucks Spot. It was the This Sucks Spot. Like, this sucks. Let's sit down. Here's the spot. So today, to keep training as short as possible, I we basically relegated it to like a, a one line on the field. And we said, this is the this sucks spot. This is what we're doing. We're going to push this prowler 20 yards and someone's going to push it back 20 yards. And we're going to do that over and over and over again because this sucks. All my stuff's getting wet. I don't want to be out here in the rain. This sucks. And we're going to call this the this sucks spot. And this is going to be our this sucks workout. And that's what we did. We just pushed the prowler high handle one way. Some guy pushed it back low handle the next way. High handle one way, low handle the next way. And then it went from 20 yards to 30 yards to 40 yards to 50 yards, and it just got progressively worse and worse and worse. So that was the actual workout. Now, the challenge, I had a couple of different tag team challenges in my head. But again, I need to see what the field conditions are like. I need to see how guys are getting through the workout. I want it to be challenging, but I don't want someone to get in a bad spot, like really sick go to the hospital like it's I know people think I'm crazy but there's a lot of thought that goes into these workouts so today I'm seeing how people's legs are moving and my original thought was I'm gonna have these guys go a hundred yards full field because the rain seems slick I'm so the ground seems slick high handle and then a hundred yards back but then I thought you know what that's gonna be very hard for me to track if they get over the line both ways each side and now I'm gonna have to essentially run the length of a football field Every single time one of these guys goes, we had 11 guys. So that would have been like me running 1,200 yards. Yeah, that's a lot of yards, all right? Actually, yeah, I'm not doing the math. Anyway, just a long time for me to run back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, make sure they go. So then I was thinking as we were working out, there is something interesting about a slick ground and transitions. So 
sometimes if the ground is too slick, it's really hard to go from a high handle to a low handle and you push it too far and you screw yourself up. So then I thought, how do I combine these two thoughts into one? So the, here's what the challenge became. So one team had six guys, one team had five guys, and the challenge became, let's take it with the six guys first, that each one of them was going to do a 30-yard shuttle, that's a high handle one way, and then a low handle back, two times, so it's there and back, there and back. So it's a total of four lengths, 30 yards high handle, 30 yards low handle, 30 yards high handle, 30 yards low handle, then the next guy goes. And that has to be done six times because they had six guys. And that was the challenge. The other team had five guys, so I said, okay, you're going to have each of your five guys do it once, and then you're going to have a second guy go twice. And that team went first, because they only had five guys. This is the, the flayed man. They can never get a full team there, ever. They're all pretty good, but they can never get a full team there. But as they went, and as I saw dudes, this is Carpentieri, who may, he may be the fastest guy in advanced training. I don't know. we got to get the, uh, the sensor on Cortese and see. But he might be the fastest guy in advanced training. When he went first, and he got smoked on the second leg of his prowler. I'm like, this is not good. Then Moretzko goes second, and he's probably, not probably, I'd say he's definitively the best prowler guy we have right now. And he got smoked. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't have one of those two guys go again four full lengths. One of them would be in the hospital. This is not ethical. So what I said during their session was, all right, I grabbed them and said, look, you guys split up that last link. So Carp, instead of going there and back twice, you go there and back. Then Moretzko, you go there and back. So that team goes, and all those guys are really good at the Prowler. You got Carpentieri, Cortese, Shalasi, Moretzko, oh, and Carroll. Like, they're all good at the Prowler. There's There's not a weak link in the bunch. And they finish in 4 minutes and 54 seconds, 0.88. I'm going to say this one again for Carol. It's an inside joke, but whatever. 4 minutes, 54 seconds, 0.88. Now, he's making a joke, and he is a good one. He said, make sure everybody pays attention to that 0.88. But the reason you have to pay attention to the 0.88 is because I have stated that I have calibrated my trigger finger, and that if it's within a tenth of a second then I will make the whole challenge go over again. So if the other team got 54, 454 point, I don't know, 78 or point 98, we're doing it again. But nobody wanted to do it again. So that's why that point 88 was so important. So I don't know if he was saying that to be serious and that was important because he didn't want to do it again or because he was making fun of me for being so deliberate about the way I was saying it, 454.88. So they go because they had lost and Bear Island made them go first. They lost last week, so Bear Island made them go first. And then Bear Island goes, and it's not as pretty. It was not as pretty. They actually, and they had six guys, they didn't have anybody to do an extra leg of this thing. They finished in like five minutes and 25 seconds. Five minutes and 25 seconds. So they lost by about 30 seconds to the other team. So they had more guys, but man for man, their guys were just not as good at the Prowler as the other guys. Now, more importantly, as I'm looking around, it looks like a war scene. Got guys laying down. Some guys are laying in the end of the drill. So as one guy is like, he finishes, he just falls on the floor, and he doesn't move. And then the next guy is going to push the prowler. They have to like pull people out of the way so you can prowler through the spot that that guy was in. To put this in perspective, one of the first and craziest, probably the most viewed advanced training tough man videos is the first one we've ever had where guys did this exact drill, except it was 25 yards there and back, two times. It was a 100-yard shuttle. Today we did a 120-yard shuttle. So 
you know how tough this thing is. So these guys are completely smoked. Even a guy like Cortese, who is fast, uh, you know, like this looks like he doesn't get tired ever. Like this got him smoked. So we do this, and I'm trying to think of okay, what individual challenge can I do given the weather conditions and given people's state? I don't want somebody to drop dead. So what we did was I did break out the sliders because I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to shorten the distance of everything we're going to do, but let's get these guys' hands a little wet just to make today a little worse. So, here was the drill. We set up a rectangle. It was 17 yards by 5 yards by... That's it. 17 by 5. That was the rectangle. 17 by 5 by 17 by 5. That's that's what it was. So, they start standing up, and they're going to sprint 5 yards to a pair of sliders that are waiting for them. Then, they're going to slide backwards at a 90-degree angle from where they sprinted from 17 yards. Why 17 yards? Because that is the approximate length of this goalie box that we were operating around. So they sprint, they slide 17 yards, they get up, and they sprint 5 yards to a prowler that's waiting for them. This prowler has 160 pounds on it, and then they're going to run that prowler right back through that, sl- that start line. So every time they finish, they're breaking at 90 degrees. So they, and they're making a triangle. I'm sorry, they're making a, a rectangle. Cool. So that's the, that's the drill. I figure it's challenging, but it's not going to kill anybody and it's relatively fast, and there's no low handle, so we can deal with it. So, the, 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 the flayed man, <laughs> they pick their, it's double elimination day, so they have to pick two guys to go head-to-head. For the second week in a row, or the second time in a row that they get to pick, they pick Baraji to go against Galley. Now, they did this two weeks ago in a different challenge. So they pick Baraji to go against Galley. So Galley, we know what he what he's been, what his reputation is. They pick him to go first. He goes first, and he knocks this thing out in 20.54 seconds. He does awesome. Then he proceeds to projectile vomit like all over the goalie box. And as he's wrapping up his puking, the soccer guys are coming. As I've said, like I am the Paul Revere of soccer, right? I am the Paul Revere of soccer. The soccer guys are coming. The soccer guys are coming. As they're coming, any thought they had of taking over our field was completely removed when they saw young Tom Galley projectile vomiting, vomiting all over their goalie box. Uh, and, they, uh, and they then decided to walk to a different field. So, Galley, I don't know if that was your master plan, but damn, it brings me back to your first training session, Evan, where you also projectile vomited. Anyway, he goes in 20.54 and then projectile vomits. So then Baraji's got to go. And now the last time him and Baraji went head-to-head... Galley had him, I'm not going to say he killed him, but Galley had him. You could see that Galley was clearly a step ahead of where Baraji was. So Baraji, and he was all, Baraji was the last guy on his team to go in this challenge, in this last challenge that we had. So he still kind of smoked. He, he has the least of amount of break of anybody. So he goes, and he freaking kills it, but he gets it in 20.9 seconds. So that's, that's not the point one second, uh, the tenth of a second difference that I make him do it again. It's, this is basically half a, half a second longer. But he did an awesome job, especially with no rest. He had the least amount of rest of anybody. So now, Baraji, he gets his second loss, and he's officially eliminated from head-to-head challenges in the tag team challenge. So he's done. He can still compete as a team, but he can no longer compete in head-to-head challenges. All right, so now Galley gets another win. Let me just quickly check the statistics because Galley, uh, I believe he is the second seed. Yes, he is. He is the second seed, and the guy just doesn't lose. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know who they're going to put against him, but this this guy does not lose. 
So Galley's the second seed. He's got 15 points. Baraji has a second loss. He has 14 points, but Baraji is the third seed. So he's still up there, and his team wins, so he's not out of it yet. He's, he's still high up there in the rankings. Then the next head-to-head, they pick Derrida, who's the number one seed, to go against Billy Blanco. So they pick Der- Der- They say, Derrida, you're going to go first. Derrida goes. He's a big dude. He's a real big dude. Unbelievable center. Uh, sliders are probably not the, the the best thing this guy can do, right? This guy's a power lifter. He's stronger than strong, but he goes, knocks out the sliders, gets up, smacks the hell out of the prowler. It's good for an offensive lineman to do, and he gets it in 26.7 seconds. Pretty good time for a guy of that size. Next up, Billy Blanco. Now, Billy Blanco, after he did his little uh, shuttle, he's like holding on to the fence. He's also puking. I, I was hoping they didn't pick him. I almost told the other team, like, don't pick Blanco. I I don't think he has a, an individual challenge in him. Pick somebody else. But they pick good old Billy Blanco. And I, I felt horribly for him. And then he goes. And he absolutely destroys it. Like, he destroyed his workout, by the way. When he did his shuttle, he killed it. I, 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 I personally don't believe that I've seen Blanco give that great of an effort on the Prowler ever. And when I say that great of an effort, I mean as good as he just did it in that shuttle, which sucked. He always he always gives it everything he had. I think I gave a whole speech on how well he did last year in the Tough Man. But I'm saying uh, that was the, probably the best effort he ever gave on the prowess. I thought he gave it all, and he's done. But no, he killed it even more on the head-to-head, and he finishes in 24.5 seconds. So Billy Blanco, he gets the win. He beat the undefeated Joe Derrida, the one seed. And now Blanco moved himself up from the 10 seed to the 8 seed. So as we're sitting right now, Derrida is still the one seed. He's got 16 points. He's 5-1. and one. He's still in the game, but uh, he was handed his first loss by Billy Blanco, and I would say it was nothing short of a heroic effort. His effort during the actual tag team was heroic, and then right now it was heroic. The other guy I'm going to call out before I end this podcast is Wallen. He was another guy I was a little worried about during the tag team competition because he hasn't been back at training until very recently. He, he's been out of the loop for a little bit, uh, recovering from some stuff, so... He has been out. I didn't know what kind of shape he was going to be in today. And we've been in this, I guess I wouldn't call it a conflict or a debate, maybe a discussion about why the hell he's running long distances. I know he has to do it for the fire department, but he's like showing me how many miles he ran. Anyway, I was worried about how well he was going to do during his segment of the Prowler. And he also killed it. So hats, tipping my hat to you, Wallen. So good stuff. I love it. Guys were competing. And I got to say, unless you have some horrific job or a major construction in your house. I told the guys at the end of the workout, no matter what happens for the rest of your day, it's only going to be easier. You got up early. You trained in the rain, which sucks. You did the, the This Sucks workout. You did a, a hard, hard challenge. And then some of you had to go head-to-head. But uh, I love it. I love you guys. Awesome stuff. And I can't wait to see this. We, we actually put out today the postseason projections. As of right now, only the top 12 guys are making it into the playoffs. And, uh... Got a few guys not they're not eligible now. They got to knock out a couple wins or they're not going to make the playoffs at all. All right. Talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, a company that is perfectly named. Why? Because when you're wearing their shoes, you feel like you're walking around completely and totally barefoot, a.k.a. like you're not wearing any shoes, a.k.a. like you are wearing Zero Shoes. Now, we've all heard the benefits of barefoot training, but who wants to walk into a gym without any shoes on your feet? First of all, it's gross, and second of all, it's disgusting. Now, the other benefits of Zero Shoes is not only are they functional, but they're also fashionable. 
So you've seen many a time people walk in the gym with these minimalist shoes and they look like a freak. Not with zero shoes. You're going to blend right in. Also, they have a wide toe box so that your toes are not all scrunched together in the front like they normally are with any standard training sneaker or cleat. Now, to get your shoes, go to zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. Again, that's zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. And that zero is spelt with an X. It is X-E-R-O. Again, I'll say it again. It's X-E-R-O. Get your zero shoes today.